0: This is the Austin ISD X podcast, X as an ex officio or unofficial. While we focus on the issues in the Austin Independent School District, the conversations we have about education are important to everyone. This is a special election edition where we're talking to all the candidates for a trustee for the Austin Independent School Board. With us is candidate in uh, District 5, uh, Lynn Boswell. Welcome
1: my name is Lynn Boswell. I am a white woman. I have lived in Austin this time for 18 years. I moved here 18 years ago this summer. I was in New York for uh, eight years before that and was in Austin for four years from 1990 to 1994. Before that, I came here to go to law school and left for a while and Austin pulled me back. Uh, And I grew up mostly in San Antonio. I moved there when I was six. Uh, so San Antonio is my home, um, childhood home, and Austin's the home I've chosen. Um, and I am the parent of two kids. I have a son who's 21, who's a senior in college, and I have a daughter who's 17, who's a senior in high school this year. And I'm running for Austin ISD School Board in District 5, which is West Central Austin. And I'm running, I've been involved with the Austin Council of PTAs since my son was in fourth grade. My 21-year-old was in fourth grade, and I've been on the board. This is my fifth year on the board, and I've spent time on campuses all over the city through that role. I, I knew my neighborhood schools really well and then have gotten to know those schools in a deeper way and other schools all across the city. I counted the other day. I think I've been on almost 100 campuses over the years and everywhere I talk with people when I go and have just heard the stories, heard what's working, heard why people love their schools and heard the frustration that people have when it's not working and heard some of the details of why. And I think it's given me a really good perspective to bring to a race and to helping to lead the district if I'm elected. So that's why I'm here. Thank you guys for having me.
2: Excellent, thank you, Lynn, for being here. So I'm asking all the candidates the pretty much the same question. Um, specifically for District 5, if you had to today give a state of District 5, what would you say are the challenges that face District 5 and perhaps the district as a whole? And then what are followed up by some solutions? And then really um, know that I'm looking for, as a trustee, what can you do? I mean, I really don't want the pie in the sky. If, you know, we should all do this. You will not be sitting in those offices with administrators. You will not be directly you know, working with them every day. So what can you as a trustee do? What kind of solutions could you provide?
1: Yeah, sure. I think, um, you know, I think the the answer from the outside with District 5 is there are no challenges. Everything works really well. And I think in a lot of ways in District 5, a lot of things do work really well. Um, there are a lot of really strong schools. There are a lot of schools in District 5 with really distinct personalities. I think that's often a strength of Austin ISD that every school gets to be its own universe in some way. And I think they're huge strengths um, to build on. You know, the, the curriculum is rich and project-based and hands-on. Um, families are welcomed onto campus and really seen as partners in kids' education. I think there's a huge variety for people to choose from. You have the academies at Austin High that people can pick. You have Small Green Tech. You have um, a Spanish immersion program at Zilker. So there's a huge range of options in District Five. I think um, some of the things people don't talk as much about. I think you know mental health for all of our kids is a big thing in District 5 and everywhere else. I think um, people want that there are challenging academic options for people. I think that's a an important thing that we need to be talking about. I think um, making sure that kids have options. I think options like dual language, options like the fine arts programs, are part of what are keeping families in our district. And I think options for families uh, is really a, something that a lot of access to, uh, partly because of knowledge, partly because people have transportation, but it's something people seek out and really embrace. Um, You know, I think making sure the vertical team is kind of connected and aligned, making sure that what's happening in one school can connect with the next, that kids are coming in equally prepared. And then I think another thing that people don't often think about when they think about District 5, Austin High has a big number of kids who come from families that that data, you know, our system categorizes as um, economically disadvantaged and there's no parent support specialist at Austin High. There's no, um, I think a lot of families who need the services who would get them at a Title I campus are missing a lot of the benefit of that. I ran into that working on census work where there's a really good system for census outreach through parent support specialists I'm on the the complete count committee for the city, for the county. And we're working to reach out to school, families at schools, but um, we're missing that in district five. There's no easy way to reach out to families who come from hard to count communities. And for every person we miss counting, we're gonna lose out for 10 years. We're gonna lose out on a lot of federal money. So I think making sure that we have those supports is good. I think the other thing that matters to District 5 is what happens district-wide, and we have strong schools everywhere, and we know that we're struggling in a lot of places. Um, Closures are a huge piece of it, piece closed in District 5, and you know we know there are more schools on the list, and we know the damage that those closures have done to our community, to families, and I think you know it's also there's District 5 doesn't have um, it's a mixed awareness. I think when your school is your world, when you've got little kids, there's a mixed awareness of exactly what things look like on the ground in some other schools. And I've been there. I was there at Andrews when um, the principal left, and we heard families talk about um, the lack of trust, the lack of respect. Um, you know, I'm I've been there on campuses where people say, you know, all they do is teach my kids how to take a test. Um, you know, I've been there with families who say I walk in the door and they treat me like I don't belong there. I've been at the Alternative Learning Center with students who say one AP at my campus sends a lot more kids to ALC than the other one and, and the injustice of that. So, you know, I think that the the strengths and the problems of our whole district matter in every part of our district. And I think I've had, for, with through my own kids, a chance to see some models of what really works. And I know there are a lot of other models that work. I think about T.A. Brown, which is one of my favorite schools to spend time in, um, up near Guadalupe and um, 183. And, you know, the data, I think it's 90, 95% economically disadvantaged families, a huge number of English language learners. And you walk into that campus and it is joyful and uplifting. And it just feels like a big hug to walk onto that campus. And it starts with the principal. And, you know, families are engaged and involved and and seen for what they bring. And I think we can do that everywhere if we take it really seriously. And I my my big belief is that where it works, it really starts with the relationships. Uh, And that's what we need to get moved toward.
2: Excellent. I agree with you about leaders, uh, AISD I think has some work to do um, with selecting leaders as principals. Not every campus um, gets a really solid leader and then it drags on until they finally move that person to administration. But what I want to circle back around to is I really appreciate what you said about District 5 working well and that you have an understanding that our entire district doesn't work that way. So if elected to this particular position specifically, you are seeking to serve the families and the stakeholders in district five, but generally the entire, you know, AISD, all of its students. And I kind of feel like there's a pool of two masters. So how do you do your work as a trustee where you're able to both serve your elected district and the city as a whole when it comes down to voting for different things like resources or, or schools and things like that? How do you serve these two masters?
1: Yeah. That's a great question. And I've given a lot of thought to that. I think that's part of the work I did before I decided to step into this race. i talked to a lot of people about that. I've talked to a lot of people in District 5 about that. I've talked to a lot of people district-wide about that and, and really thought about that um, for myself as well. And you know, I think there, there are several answers. I think resources matter. That's absolutely true. I also believe this isn't a zero-sum game. I don't think it's it's you know kids in one place or kids in another place. Um I think we can get this right in all of our schools and mm. you know I think there's some things that it's not about resources, it's about culture. I think you know the way families are treated, communication. Um whether we're even thinking about you know how families interact with our schools, what we're offering families. You know, I I talked to a teacher the other day who was talking about how parents got on to the, to blend. And one of the elements in a login was the student's birthday, but the, and it was a, it was a school with a lot of people who had immigrated from other countries, a lot of families who would come from somewhere else. And the person who was giving the instructions didn't say it's the birthday and you need to put the month first, Mm -hmm. not the day first. You know, I mean, and if we're not doing that and people can't get on to blend for that, you know, I think the PSAT is another another issue. We pay for PSAT. It's a great tool to be given to students all over our district. And data show that that increases college awareness. It increases the number of kids who apply. Kids start getting mail from colleges. People start, you know, reaching out. And A letter goes out you know, shortly before the test is given with a lot of assumed knowledge instead of a letter that goes out at the beginning of school that says, your kid's going to have this opportunity. Here's what it is. Here's how your kid can prepare for free. Here's who you can call on campus to learn more. Here's what this could mean for your child. Here's why this matters. Um, they're just over and over. There are things like that. The AP testing um, during COVID might happened to have a high schooler i happened to be tuned into ap testing and the ap tests happened morning midday and afternoon and the last one went on longer than the wi-fi bus service went on and realizing that kids from every high school are taking ap tests and that a lot of those kids were relying on that free bus service I wondered, you know, I wanted to be really sure that AISD had put those pieces together in the middle of all that chaos and emailed everyone I could think of at AISD who would have been involved in that conversation and they hadn't done that yet. And and as soon as I pointed it out, they they did it. But, you know, I think there's some simple things that aren't about resources. And then I think when we really talk about resources, Austin ISD has been so good at talking about some of its successes. I think they're comfortable saying our graduation rate is going up. You know, they're comfortable talking about the good. I think they're, you know, we're giving free meals. We're making sure that people get access to, to the free, free lunch that, you know, they need during COVID. Um, Austin ISD has not been good at all about talking wh- about what's not working. And I think when you don't talk about what's not working, it's easy for people where things are working to not even be fully aware of that. And I think as a community, we've got to talk about that. Um, I think people want our schools to work. I think people understand our city is healthier when our schools work. And I think that's part of why an equity audit is so essential, because we need to be really honest and name it so we can talk about it. And, you know, we, with Austin Council PTAs, we deliberately move meetings all over the district um, so people can spend time in schools that aren't their schools, so people can see how different schools work. And I think the more we know, you know, I think Austin cares. Austin's a city that, that I just have faith, you know, we'll, we'll be willing to make some of those hard choices and willing to have those real conversations as long as we have that shared set of information. And then I think another huge piece of it, part of why we're losing families and part of why we have fewer resources is the things that are happening on campuses that are pushing people away. You know, we know that there are lots of kids who end up in charters. And again, I think Austin ISD, It's the easy answer has been, Austin's not affordable anymore. That's why we're losing families. And that's part of why we're losing families. But that's only part of why we're losing families. And anyone who's out there talking to families knows that. And I think doing the things that make our schools places families wanna be, that, that families trust will serve their kids, you know, kind of as, as academically and emotionally and as people who will value kids, value families, every family brings resources back into the district, increases what we had and what we can do. And I think that's good for all of us too. And then the other piece is, we have to fight with the state of Texas. We have to fight for reduced burden, burden of high stakes testing. That's not good for anyone. And we waste a lot of money focused on that instead of the things we know we should be doing. Uh, We need to talk about getting more state funding for our schools. I've been really involved in that uh, with a statewide effort that brings together uh, rural, urban, conservative, liberal cities, districts from all over the state to make sure we're talking to legislators everywhere putting pressure on legislators, no matter what their party, no matter what their, their values are to say, we all care about our schools and we need more money. So I think there are a lot of ways to get there. I think we need more resources. And I do think we need to know what is so we can talk about how we use the resources we have. Um, but I think district five schools are strong and they're gonna be strong. Uh, and I think, you know, we owe that to every kid. And I, I'm doing this because I have faith that we can get there together.
0: I really appreciate that answer. I really liked how you were talking about how we need to talk about it. Let's talk about it, right? Let's let's so then let's put out um, let's put our cards on the table and and talk about what's working, what isn't working. Um, we have had conversations on this uh, podcast about uh, parent teacher associations and the school board plays a role in setting policy for parent engagement, and that includes. The type of associations and affiliations and just general infrastructure, the system, the institution of the parent teacher association. And you were a president of the Austin council of parent teachers association. So there's a lot of issues with a PTA system that are part of the education system as a whole, in terms of being a white supremacist system, a system built for certain people and not for other people. And we've addressed that issue on this podcast in previous Uh, episodes. And so it turns out my question is kind of the same for every candidate. Uh, It just starts in a different place. And for you, it starts as president of the Austin Council of PTAs, which is a source of inequity in the same sense that uh, our school district as as an entity is a source of inequity. So as a board member um, and as someone who's coming from that system, how are you going to enact change, enact systemic change that's being called for in this moment, in this pandemic that we're in. You're coming from, uh, the, as president of ACPTA, the PTAs, for better or worse, mostly worse, are inequitable, uh, are part of an equitable system. Maybe that's more fair. So what policies are you going to support that will um enact systemic change?
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. And again, I think this is something we need to talk about, right? Ignoring it doesn't help us figure out what to do. And I think we need to talk openly about what is and what could be and what should be. So I think um, what is, is that we know there are PTAs with six-figure budgets and we know there are PTAs with three-figure budgets and there are a lot more on the three or four-figure end than there are on the six-figure end. Um, And that is a source of inequity. And I think, People talk about Title I money balancing that out, but I think the fact is PTA money is different because mm-hmm. the, the money P- PTAs have, um, the decisions about that are invested in families. It's, it's a source of power for families on campuses. And I believe parents need a source of power on every campus. Um, including campuses where administrators don't want to share that power with families. And that is a huge part of why I have chosen, my volunteer time, chosen Austin Council of PTAs, because it is something that has a toehold on every campus. And money is part of what PTAs do. It's an important part of what PTAs do, but it's one part of what PTAs do. And PTAs are a source of advocacy. They're a source of community building, and they're a source of power um, for families when when room is made for that and Austin ISD in policy has PTA on every campus. It's one way for people to engage. Uh, I know you know the the rules and the systems for a long time Austin Council PTAs was mainly a group that focused on the rules. Have you gotten your 990 done? Are you getting your minutes done? Um, how are you are you running your meetings in this specific way? Um, and, and I fully recognize that there are lots of ways to do that, that, that community building looks different in different places and that in a whole lot of places, it doesn't look like PTA looks. And we have been in the past four or five years pushing back against a lot of that in Austin. And we have been recognized nationally by PTA as a place that's starting to work to do it differently. We've been invited to speak at a couple of equity national equity conferences. We won an award for our work from national PTA, which I I recognize, you know, being recognized by PTA is, you know, there's a circularity to that. I get that. Um, But we're also really rethinking, you know, we specifically started to address the question of funding by creating a grant program two years ago that. Um, gives a mechanism. There are a lot of PTAs that have had sister schools that have had other things. And, you know, I think there can be some value in that, but I also think it's a model based on charity. And I think doing a a coat drive or a book drive is not the same as making sure people have equal resources and equitable resources. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we did to really specifically see if we could help to address that is we created this grant program. And, We've been publicizing that. We've been invited to talk to PTAs around the country about that. Um, we're sharing it, and what we did is created this program. And individuals or PTAs with those large budgets can give to that grant program, and then other PTAs can apply um, for that that grant money, and use it, you know, for for ideas that come from within that the community that's applying. And it's about a year and a half old and people are applying and people are giving. So I think that's a start. I also would really love to see, Austin's an incredibly wealthy community. And I would love to see through Austin Ed Fund, now that we have, they're not giving money to PTAs, they're giving money to teachers and money to campuses, money to SEL. But I would love to see through Austin Ed Fund, a a universal basic income model for PTAs, uh, where, where every campus invested in the families in that campus has a certain amount of money, um, I, you know, per student, the details we could work out, but has money that they can use to, to do whatever it is that's important to them on campus. Uh, so I think there are a lot, of, a lot of ways we can talk about it. Um, but I think, again, with all of these things, talking about it, like we're doing here, like people in our community are doing more and more right now, is where we have to start.
0: I think if I if I wanted to push back, it would just say that um, y- like it's it seems like I keep asking the, the same question in the sense of you come from some of some candidates come from being part of a system. Like are you even willing to change that system? Like in, in a certain sense, the Ed Austin Fund. As a trustee, you can make that Ed Austin Fund unnecessary, right? Because instead of having to apply for money from this foundation uh, in like a charity model, the everyone has what they need, right? So it's like, what, if, what would you do in order essentially to make the Ed Austin Fund unnecessary?
1: Well, I, I think that fund is not not within Austin Council PTAs. I think the Austin edu- I think our foundation as a district in until we have elections and put people in office that are going to give our public schools what they deserve, more funds for our schools are always going to be needed. And private investment in our schools is always going to be welcomed in terms of of grants for teachers to support things, things like that. And, and what I would love to see the Education Foundation do, the Austin Ed Fund do, is not a grant model, but just say, we're going to raise money and make sure that every PTA has a baseline amount of funding. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that to me would be a good start. And I think we can debate whether we need a PTA on every campus or whether there's another model. I, my, my mission is that we have real family power sharing on campus, a real family voice on campus. And I have been on enough campuses to know there are campuses where parents are not valued for what they bring. There are campuses where principals have have said you know my parents can't do that or my parents don't have anything to give i mean i've i've heard this um and i i think my my mission is to make sure that we are honoring parents as experts in their kids Mm -hmm. that even families with need have a lot to give and that we're making room for that on every campus to me like that, PTA is a toehold where we know when principals are making room for that. Is PTA the only way to do it? Absolutely not. There are lots of ways, and there are lots of people who are really involved on our campuses who have nothing to do with PTA, who run the other way from PTA, and I th- I think that's fine. I think that's good. There need to be a lot of models for getting in getting engaged. Um, I do think we need to make sure that no administrator, no campus leader has the ability to keep keep families away. And I think we need to do the work we need to do to hire in a way and, and teach in a way where every single leader in our district knows that every single family has something of value to yes. get. Yes, yes. Um, I was in a meeting presenting an engagement grant that we had applied for and we did some focus groups and we went and presented our findings and Leonor Vargas from the Parent Support Specialist Office was with us and she started our meeting with polls. And we were with a group of elementary school principals and one of the questions in the poll was, And it was an anonymous poll, the question was, all families have the capacity to support their children's learning. All families have the capacity to support their children's learning. And in that room of principals, 38% said they disagreed with that statement. Wow. So when I say that we, when I fight for PTA, when I fight for PTA having a place on campus, that is what I'm really fighting for is that shared source of power. And, you know, I think my, I stopped, caught my breath and said, okay, do you think I have the capacity to support my children's learning? Let me tell you, I can't do calculus. I can't do pre-cal, I can't do algebra two anymore. Do you think I have the capacity to support my child doing that? Of course I do. And, and every other parent does. So that to me is, is the bigger why of PTA. And I think the other thing is just that advocacy as a community that we can do. ACPTA, I sat on the group in 2017 through ACPTA that helped get rid of the juvenile curfew in Austin. Like that is structural change that matters to our families and, and being able to say we have 20,000 members in our community and we support this, we back this, and we're lending the name of PTA to this, this mission. Um, that matters. ACPTA did a huge amount of work to build support for free bus service. For k-12 students we were recognized for that with a national award that matters we have a seat on the census complete count committee right now that matters so you know i think there are we have a lot to talk about about what ptas do and and all of those inequities but i think to throw it out loses a lot of good work that's being done as well
2: so i guess for me so i just met Lori, and I'm telling you, I really can dig her style. (laughs) So uh, we've been in a couple of the pandemic childcare meetings and things like that together. And so personally, as a person, I see how fierce she is. And like, I mean, she'll come out and say, this is BS or you are wasting our time, right? And so um, I can appreciate that. And I think for me, um, and I think for a lot of parents, and I'm, I'm not speaking for every Black parent because I cannot do that. But I think that for a lot of uh, disenfranchised parents, we are still. Hold- I don't know if you remember this. I'm just how old I am. Harper Valley PTA. I <laughs> yes. think we're still we're still holding. Uh, I mean, older people specifically are holding that image in our minds. And I mean, I understand that it's different. But I think that the PTA has a per perception. Um, like, what do you call it? A, p- a publicity thing, like uh, public image. That's the word I want. A public image problem. Like there's good being done, but we don't know that. So like my whole thing was like, do away with PTA, get rid of PTA, go straight to PTO. But just this week, having had conversations with people, I'm like, I I see how PTA is basically using privilege, right? Yeah. To get things done. Yep. But everybody doesn't see that, and everybody doesn't know that. Do I still believe that some campuses don't need a PTA? Um, if PTA is willing to 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 move on some of those national PTA things, then I think it's beneficial. And if not, then I think you know campuses that need to walk away need to walk away. But um, I I will say that I I've had some more knowledge added to my my base of knowledge uh, this week um, about PTA.
1: Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. And I, you know, I think I'm, like I said, I mean, I've chosen this because I believe in it, but I also, what I really believe is, is not the name, but the, the value that underlies it. How are we amplifying parent voice to get to changes we want? And how do we make sure that every single campus makes room for parents, even when some of the people on campus May not see the why, may not may not see the value, and I think that's a matter of of kind of who we hire and what we expect from our leaders, and I think it's also a way of having some mechanism where we as a community can make sure that parents have a real place on every campus and families can bring their wisdom, their knowledge, um, you know, what they want for their kids. Um, I you know I never want to hear anyone talk about parents as customers again. Mm. <laughs> uh, parents are partners. Dr. Holly says the same thing. Yeah, uh, parents are partners. And you know this is one mechanism that Austin ISD has chosen where at least someone's monitoring and paying attention and, and it's not perfect. Um, there are campuses with PTA and name only and they shouldn't be able to check that box unless they're doing something of real value that really makes room for that. But, but my why is more, what are we getting to with it? What are we doing with it? Uh, and I think it's you know we're in touch with National PTA. We just got a fifteen thousand dollar grant from National PTA. We we've been um, taking donations of books, school supplies, art supplies, and distributing them at Austin Voices food pickup sites since spring. We're going to keep doing that. We just got a fifteen thousand dollar grant, so we're going to buy more books and art supplies and things to distribute. We've got a good relationship with National PTA. Um, we did just win that diversity inclusion award for them this from them this spring, and I think part of what we're talking about internally is how can we take what we see in Austin, what we've learned in Austin, and talk to national PTA about maybe you want members, what other structures can you have, you know, maybe it's not a one size fits all, maybe there are other ways you can do it, and every single PTA right now is a separate 501c3, you have IRS rules, you get fined if you do it wrong by not by us, by the federal government. You get scary letters, which are even scarier if you're here and you're undocumented. Like there are, you know, all of that. And, and you know, we have a lot of PTAs who are, are led completely in Spanish. Um, we fought for people to be able to get on PTA bank accounts with a matricula, not with a, a U.S. ID um, And so, you know, what other systems are there? Maybe not every PTA needs to be a separate 501c3. You can support that regulatory piece of it somewhere else and just focus on that community building and making sure that that PTA has some funds to realize their vision beyond that. So I think there are lots of models. And I think Austin, I hope, is starting to lead the way in some different ways of thinking about this and some different conversations. So we're really supporting what the values are, rather than any specific um, mechanism or form, kind of getting to the heart of what we're trying to do with it, rather than it has to be one size fits all. And it has to be this way. Because I mean, I agree, like the the rules, you know, are, are very white rules. And then I think they come from that, you know, you start things on time, and you do it a certain way. And You know, it's it's um, there's some collective built in, but in very specific ways. So um, that's all true.
2: Thank you for listening. Down ballot races are important to our community, our school district and our children. We invite you to listen to all the candidate conversations at our website anchor.fm slash AISDXP. There you will find our supported platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Coming soon, our hot take and reflection on the Austin ISD School Board Trustee races and the major issues. Let us know what you think. Comment across all social media platforms. And as always, to bring others into the conversation, please remember to like, follow, and share.